Justin. And you're listening to The ENJ Show. It's a podcast about dating, sex, the pop culture of our youth, food farming, and how we're navigating this crazy little thing called life. It's been a hot minute since we last recorded. I want to say it's been three months. So it's been a while. That A lot has happened. It's been a very busy summer for both of us. We've traveled. We've dated people. We've had some sex. Not with each other. Um, we've gone on some trips. Did I already say that? I said we traveled, yeah. Uh, and I moved. We went to Maine. And we just went to Vermont. And I have a new job. And, yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, this summer, I was really busy because I took another Harvard Extension class about food anthropology, and it was just, you know, it was a summer class. We had to read a lot, uh, homework was intense, had papers, and so, yeah, busy times. But we're glad to be back. Uh, so let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, um, a big development I made really over the last uh, two months probably was uh, starting therapy for the first time in many, many years. Uh, last time I was in therapy, I was in college. And, um, you know, I should have done it sooner, but... Uh, it, Are you doing what's, it now? What's done is done. I'm doing it now. Yeah. Um, and you spend I, a lot of time, you know, doing the research to find someone compatible with you and that works with your insurance and everything, right? Yeah, and that was that was the frustrating thing was I got to a point this summer where I felt like, you know, I wasn't, I guess it was depression. There, there was no, like, urge mm -hmm. to do any harm or whatever, but it was just kind of withdrawing from life um i definitely was not putting in all my best effort at work i was definitely letting things slide i mean i was getting stuff done but i i don't think i could have gotten away with what i was doing if i wasn't working from home you know yeah like, right. I, I was, I was yeah. getting sloppy uh just withdrawing from a lot of friends um and then when i i did do things like go on a big bike ride or a hike or even a trip or something i just um at, at no points did I really feel that happy. Maybe I did mm -hmm. from an initial like adrenaline rush from. Yeah. Uh, I remember I told you I went on like a 40 mile bike ride. It'd been a while since I'd done that. Yeah. With your uncle. Yeah. And I felt great in the moment, but then immediately after I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's exactly how I was feeling like a couple months ago when I was super depressed and yeah. we didn't even really hang out that much this summer, which, you know, like we said, we were busy and it definitely was because, you know, you were feeling like uh, hermiting yourself. But I think, too, you know, I was seeing someone and you the were summer. Moving. And I was moving and I was working. So, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. just crazy that we didn't even hang out that much this summer. Yeah, for most of July, really. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I started this process. And, you know, I, I really think the process of trying to find someone made me feel worse than I was already feeling because yeah. it just it gave me the sense, like at first when I decided to go and, and seek help, there was uh, a, a bit of like optimism there. Like, okay, I'm making the right steps, but you, you get into it and um, 
as soon as you get turned down a few times, it's uh, it's kind of tough to bounce back, you know? Mm, yeah, totally. I felt exactly the same way. Like when I was depressed, you know, it was hard to bring myself to find a job or a psychiatrist or a new place to live. It was like I felt really stagnated. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's part of it is just um, probably the last presidency. So mm. I, I, I say this not, you know, I, I say this with the informed uh, stance that I know someone whose wife is a therapist and she saw more um, mm. clients than ever in the last presidency. Interesting. Um, so maybe that's just her. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a certain type of clientele. But between that and um, the COVID of the last year and a half, people are really stressed. I mean, uh, I know you, you Emily, don't really watch the news or whatever. But it's like I, which is I, intentional. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely like you know I don't entirely blame you, but it's just like you know things are, are not really great out there for the most part, and yeah, so, and you don't have to read the news every day to know that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so people are really stressed and they need help, and I get it, and you know I'm glad that people are finally realizing uh, that they need to talk to someone other than mm -hmm. family and friends. And, you know, if this is what it takes to get them to, um, uh, come to terms with things that were probably going on in their own lives, just beyond, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, COVID caused stress, then I you know I'm all for it, but it, it just means also that it's very difficult to find anyone right now. You know, as I was saying, I'm, I'm glad that people are seeking help but it, it makes it very difficult and we we do live in this area where we have access to great hospitals as well as mental hospitals as mm -hmm. well as just their you know counseling networks and everything but i probably called at least 20 different people yeah just off psychology today and no one was taking anyone yeah well and to the health insurance thing well, yeah, I mean, I'm just talking about people even seeing anyone. Oh, okay. And so then when I finally got a list referred to me um, by some people that were possibly taking people, none of them even took any form of insurance. And so they wanted weekly meetings. And I remember this one woman was charging 300 yeah. a week for weekly meetings. normal. Yeah. out of pocket and i you know i get it she she didn't work with a practice it was just herself i i get it but you know i just i'm not in a position where i can do that and so right. i i had to go through my insurance company and i did this inquiry and i told them what i was kind of looking for and i waited a better part of a month to hear back from them and they gave me one name only one name came up in their database of someone that uh, would take my insurance that is kind of like catered to what I need. But I'll, I'll put a little uh, asterisk there and I'll say, I'm not looking for anything like super, super particular, you know, like mm -hmm. I don't, there, there's nothing like extremely specific that I'm looking for mm -hmm. I, that like needs to be addressed, but one person and, you know, lo and behold it thus far it's working out. And it's great. Yeah. And I'm really glad That's I'm awesome. doing it.
but yeah. it's been a difficult process and yeah. uh, not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it's not enjoyable. The I just want to I emphasize the the health insurance thing because even this state, which is super, you know, liberal and uh, understanding of mental health issues, is very not supportive of people getting help for their mental health. I have heard for years of people having trouble finding uh, therapists and psychiatrists who will take their health insurance plan, and it's just really frustrating and sad to see um so it's it is great that you found someone and someone who seems to be a good person and like you get along with yeah exactly in response to me um i will say now i could be completely wrong about this and covid may have changed a lot but i do know there are some resources out there and some hotlines that um, are able to screen people that either don't have insurance or whose insurance is not widely accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some places that will just, you know, if, if you're really in crisis, they can hook you up with a, a yeah, yeah, yeah. counselor. But yeah, I think there's... I think a lot of those resources are pretty taxed anyway, and I'm sure mm-hmm. COVID on top of that is not great. Um, and and yeah. even when I looked at... Uh, you know, we've got McLean Hospital very close by, uh, mm-hmm. l- the leading mental institution in the country, and they're like full, you know. Yeah, because so. I mean, st- I can't even tell you how many times I've been in therapy since COVID started, and I'll be like, one, I'll be wondering aloud, like, why am I feeling this way? Why do I have anxiety? Why am I stressed? Why am I? Why am I revisiting these issues that are that I thought that I was over that were like family related or like having to do with my childhood? And my therapist is like, COVID, like it's not a fucking joke. This, the isolation and the fear that COVID has brought has made people re visit a lot of issues that they thought they were done with um and has heightened anxieties that people were dealing with that were only you know feeling surface level before um you know people's agoraphobia people's fear of people's social anxiety uh fear of trying new things fear of you know traveling etc that stuff is not a joke yeah no you're Um, absolutely right um so it's like you can take all the time you want to feel sorry for yourself in terms of like why am i doing this or like why is this happening right now like what is wrong with me but a lot of it is covid and it's like and it and it's good too that we're all experiencing this time right now where like okay we do have issues we need to work on that have surfaced because of the uh alone time or the fear that has come with covid but but i and i don't want to belittle anyone's fear but i also just want to mention too that there's nothing wrong with anyone 
this is this is a universal experience that the globe is having right now. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my my little experience in, in delving into um therapy and you know, uh two sessions in. Uh I'm not gonna say I feel a lot better, but it's nice to have things affirmed for me. Yeah. It's nice to have that support and to get an outsider's opinion on how I project myself. So uh, I'm, I'm very glad I did it. And, you know, I would definitely say that there are some people in my life that probably could use therapy. And I was one of those people yes. for other people. Um, but as I said, it's never it's never too late. And I think thinking yeah. that thinking that it is too late or thinking that you can go it alone I mean, even if even if you only do it for like a month or something, you know, yeah. just just to kind of get the tool set you need to to better navigate life and uh, relationships. I I don't I don't think there's any harm in doing it. For my topic today, um, I'm gonna tell a story that Justin actually hasn't heard yet, and um, I want to mention before I begin that. A good portion of the story is like leading up to what happened and um and maybe about like half I want to say I just want to mention that like there's going to be a lot of the story that's like leading up to what happened and then and then the story will take off from there but um what when it actually happened and I will say what happened um that was that part of the story is almost like less important in a way um but yeah so a couple weeks ago uh i had a few days off from work and i had just finished my summer class at harvard extension and i just like finished writing a paper uh and i decided i was going to take a little like a mini vacation up to Gloucester where our friend Kathy lives and just like go to the beach and I was going to stay at her house and just relax and just take some time to be alone because I haven't been alone in a long time because I moved in with a bunch of roommates and I love it but I just I just wanted some space for me and so the day of I the, the night before, I find out that my one of my roommates has made some weed brownies, and I, he says they're like on the on the box he puts them in. He says like anyone can take them. So I were, think were about these, it. Uh, these the brownies we had. The ones we took, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one. Yeah. The ones we had. Justin and I ate these brownies twice. We had them one night and then we were like let's do it again the next night the next night and we had more and it was quite intense for for me for you for all um but yeah so the the next morning i decided okay i'm not i'm not gonna take the brownies i'm just gonna go to the beach sober i don't need weed to have fun i'm an adult um and i i drive up to gloucester from arlington which takes like about an hour and I get there and I'm super hungry and Kathy tells me, uh, before I head to the beach, uh, I ask Kathy if she has any snacks and she does. She gives me like 
I don't remember, like some fruit or granola or something. And she's like, oh, and I also have these CBD chocolates. And I'm like, okay, I'll take those. I love CBD. I, I, I think that, or I shouldn't say I love it. I have taken it to varying effects, but I'm like, eh, I'm going to relax at the beach. I'll just take some. So I eat half of a chocolate. And then I realized the box says THC, not CBD. The old switcheroo. The old switcheroo. These are actually edibles. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess this is happening. And I figure, you know, I, I took, I only took half of a dose. I might as well finish the, the whole dose. So I take the other half of the chocolate and it's not the whole chocolate bar. It's like a one of the little sections of the chocolate bar that's broken up into triangles. So I take the second triangle and I drive to the beach, having eaten basically no food, pretty dehydrated. I get to the beach like 10, 15 minutes later. I'm feeling a little funny, put all my stuff down, walk to the ocean, like get in the water, maybe like halfway. And I realized, like, I am so high. It's like so, so stony baloney, as my roommate says. And I am so curious how this happened because I don't, I thought I had only taken like five milligrams or whatever, like the, the normal, like small edible doses. And like, as I'm in this, as I'm in the water, I, like, usually the waves in Gloucester are quite uh, small, but today they're pretty big. I'm wicked high, and I just start to realize, like, okay, I can't actually swim. This is dangerous. Like, I need to get out of the water. And what feels like 45 fucking minutes later, I get back to my towel and lay down, and then I immediately text Kathy, or maybe I call her, and I, she doesn't answer because she's working. And I leave her voicemail that's like, hey, what was a dose? Because I'm so high right now. And then uh, I, I think I call, I start texting you and Peter and other people to just be like, hey, this is what's happening. Because I'm so high. And it's like one of those really fucking hot days too. And I'm at like out in the sun at the beach. It's like, yeah, I, I remember that day. I remember working yeah. from home and I had like two fans on me. Yeah. And the sun you, you, were, is you were texting down. me. I was just like, yeah. I, w I wouldn't want to be at that beach no. sober. And what happens is whenever I go to the beach, if I bring like a non-thermos water bottle, I'll always drink all of my water right away. Because if your water bottle like is exposed to that much heat, like bacteria can start to form in the water. So I always just drink it all right away. So I have no water. Uh, it's a billion degrees. The ocean is ice cold and I'm too scared to swim in it. And I'm like, okay, if I pass out, which I feel like I'm going to because I'm so high, I will die. So I'm just like trying to talk to people and keep myself awake while also like laying down in the baking sun and like every once in a while getting up to like walk along the shore and like cool off. Um, Kathy finally calls me back and she is like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, pretty good. Like, meanwhile, I'm not really freaking out. I uh, am pretty calm. Like, 
I just sort of go into my head and instead of spiraling, I'm like, okay, I can either panic or I can just accept that this is happening, try not to think about how long this is going to go on for and just like enjoy the moment. And somehow I'm able to do that um, and kind of I'm just like laughing all along the way. And so Kathy's talking to me and she says, um, uh, uh, one dose, which is like the five milligrams or 0.5 or however the dosage works for pot is one triangle. So I accidentally, I not only accidentally took an edible, but I accidentally took two edibles and I, I don't really smoke that often. Like I have periods where I do and I don't, but this is at a time where I haven't really done that much pot recently and I am just high as a freaking kite I am so uh just I don't even know what's going on really I, I I'm sort of like trying to piece together how I'll get back to Kathy's house and also how this could have happened but I'm also just kind of like uh, and, and for greater hearing context, shit yeah uh for greater context not only was Kathy working, but Kathy also doesn't have a car, so it's not. She doesn't like have she, a car. It's not like yeah. she could have driven over and picked you up, and you could have gotten your car later or anything. Well, she said she could have biked and and come and gotten me like in a couple of hours, but I didn't like that option, and I felt a little like I wanted to be like a little bit more in control of that and I figure like okay I'm taking the edible now like and I'll just be here maybe three or four hours and by then like I won't be high anymore this is my theory um and I'm not even sure if Kathy's bike will fit in the car anyway and she might not I think I got there at like 4 30 and she's not done at work till like 7 30 so uh anyway long story short I call you you're like, what the fuck is wrong with her? You were busy. Uh, I just try to, like, tell you what's going on. And you, I don't even know if it made sense. Uh, you're Eventually, you're like, I'm cooking. And you, I, you're like, I have to go. I call Peter, who is the guy I was seeing this summer. I talked to him for a while. He basically thinks it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. And he's laughing. And I'm laughing. Walk up and down the beach a few times. Finally, I'm just realized I'm way too hot. I need water. I need to pee. I assume everyone on the beach knows that I'm absolutely batshit out of my mind because I'm paranoid because I'm high. And I go to my car and just turn the AC on. And then after like 10 minutes of sitting there with the AC on and like trying to read a book, which was, I think I read the same paragraph eight times and did not comprehend anything that it said. I'm like, okay, I have to drive to Kathy's. And I turn on my GPS and I turn on my brother, my brother and me, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And I slowly (laughs) drive to Kathy's house, get there. Kathy is like, how did you get here? I'm like, I don't really know. She just a pro tip. Don't, don't drive high. This was dumb. This is not this is a bad thing that I did. But I get to Kathy's. Uh, she gives me water. She's like really, she's like taking care of me. She like keeps asking me if I'm okay. Eventually she finishes up work and we go out to dinner. And 
I'm still high as a kite. Like, it's been hours. Like, it's probably been four or five hours. We go out to dinner at, like, 8, 8.30. Um, we have the most incredible meal at this hotel in Gloucester that I always forget the name of. We had, like, oysters. I got a burger. I got these little, like, lemon tart things for dessert. I think I had a glass of... No, I had a dirty martini. And then I had something else, too. And it's, like, the most delicious meal, and I'm just laughing hysterically the whole time. And at one point, the waiter comes over, one of the waiters comes over, and and we're sitting at the bar, I think, and he asks Kathy if she wants anything, and he, but the way that he came over and, like, popped his head forward, like, really weirds out Kathy, and she starts acting, like, really high, uh, I think he asks her if she wants something and I'm like, and she's laughing so hard, like a high person. And me as the actual high person, I'm like, she's actually okay. Thank you so much. And he walks away and Kathy just looks at me and is like, how did you handle that? That dude thinks I'm high as a kite. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea. I just wanted to like pretend to be normal brain. Um, and I get back to Kathy's and we go to sleep and eventually at like 5 30 in the morning i wake up and i'm finally not high and i'm like what a wild thing that was <laughs> what the story mark what a, it was so and then i was like pot's cool that was fun that I'm, wasn't gl- I'm scary glad, i'm glad that you had fun i don't know that um i would be uh, <laughs> I, I think i would have a much different experience well i take prozac so yeah it just being being that high just gives me horrible anxiety that like i know know, it normally does for me too and you got lucky i did and and that's what's been happening recently in general like when we took those pot brownies and we were justin and my roommate and i no me and justin took pot brownies my roommate took something else that I'm not going to say on the podcast. And we watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And I he was. He also took a brownie, though. Oh, he did? Yeah, he did. Oh, he um, took um... a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah. We watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And I was like, t- I-, I was pretty zonked. And like, I was stony baloney again. And I was like, this, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun, Tommy. Um, yeah, I. I don't. I don't know. I, don't I think know. I'm you, just you happy to out. relax I mean, and it. It like that happens sometimes. Yeah. I, I just uh, my yeah, experience of, of being really really high. Yeah. It was sad that I couldn't really go in the ocean, but the next day I went in the ocean a bunch because I went back to the beach. I did not take edibles. I went back to the beach and I had a normal beach day. Um. But. Yeah, I don't know. I was proud of the work I had done at Harvard, and I was just happy to relax, and I like my job, and things are going well, so I didn't, I was, I didn't feel existential. I was just like, eh, I'm just in a little different brain right now. That's probably the best case scenario. It was the best case scenario, yeah. Uh, So that's my story. Don't drive high. I suppose it's time for a recommendation. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Roadrunner? 
Yeah. Um, so a film that came out actually in theaters. Yes. Uh, I saw we, it in the theaters. We, we I... both saw it was the first time. So this is the first movie I've seen in theaters since Star yes. Wars episode nine. And I'm really glad. Same. I, I'm so glad that I can eliminate like, when someone <laughs> asked me, what's the last movie you saw in a theater? I'm so glad I don't need to say Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Uh, because, man, that's 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 a grim way to end yes. going to movies. That was the last movie I saw in theaters, too. But now I've also seen Roadrunner. But we didn't see it together. No. Because you weren't hanging out. Well, you were also busy the week that... It seemed like it was only showing for one week at the right. theater near you. And, and I had you, work. I was, the, the night that we were able to go see it together, I realized it's also the night that I was going to be out of state. So mm-hmm. so anyway, Roadrunner is a new film by, um, uh, let me find the director's name. Um, Someone. Morgan Neville. And uh-huh. uh, Morgan Neville has done uh, two films I've seen before. He, he, he does a bunch of documentaries, but uh, he did 20 Feet from Stardom, which is a fantastic movie about uh, backup singers from the 60s and 70s rock and roll oh, period. Yeah. You, uh, you know, na- namely uh, a lot of the backup singers for like the Rolling Stones and other mm-hmm, groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these uh, women of color who were phenomenal singers. And, you know, in the case of the Stones, like, million times better than Jagger could ever hope to be. Yeah. And yet they never really got their fair dues. And then he also did a film called Won't You Be My Neighbor, which came out a few years ago. And that oh, was a, yeah. a documentary about Mr. Rogers, not to I be confused. I think only with you. What? What's that? Not to be confused with you. No. Um, not to Is be confused with the, the Tom Hanks movie that came out like, later that year which was tom hanks playing mr rogers because tom hanks plays everyone now right uh but both were really great documentaries so um i remember that came out only last year i think no that came out like three years ago oh okay it was it was way before covid i remember seeing it with my dad like oh uh when i was in college or like after i graduated or something weird yeah that that was a little while ago so um, I heard about Roadrunner, and I had no idea that Morgan Neville was doing this film. So originally when I heard this is a film about Anthony Bourdain uh, talking about his career and then suicide, I kind of said, I don't know, this sounds a little like a cash grab. But then I found out Morgan Neville was attached, and I said, okay, this is probably pretty, the potential to be pretty good. Um, yeah, so it was. It, yeah, it was a really, really good film. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. They, they have the benefit and that they have so much footage from all mm-hmm. his TV shows, right. as well as behind the scenes footage. Uh, they talk with pretty much his entire crew that worked with him for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, interviews with some really great uh, friends of his too. Uh, musicians I really like, such as Joshua Hami, Alison Mosshart, John Lurie. Uh, there's some other uh, chefs in there as well. David Chang, Eric Repair. Yep. The thing about the film that I'm seeing in a lot of reviews is that it doesn't explain why he was a depressive person or why he took his life or whatever. But yeah, that's, I think anyone who watched the movie and walked away thinking that 
they weren't force fed some obvious thing of why this person was the way they were people are complex the whole point of the film is that the closest people knew him uh knew a, a, a fraction of him they knew a side of him and he was well i think different with that's... other people it's so often the case with people who commit suicide. The people around them don't understand why it happened or they don't always see the parts that are really dark. And as I know, and I'm sure you know, when you are depressive and you alienate yourself from people, you don't want to share that stuff. And, and, and that stuff is impossible to comprehend when you're not depressed in a way you it, because it doesn't it doesn't make sense to someone who is happy and healthy in that way uh because it is it literally is crazy it's the antithesis of life and living yeah so you know reading reviews and re reading a lot of press for this film i'm a little uh shocked at just the general stupidity of movie re reviewers and yeah movie audiences thinking that they need to be told in plain english like uh a plus b equals c when it's just you know it's a film about him uh growing and changing and maturing as a person in yeah what during most... that very important time in his life right and that's a time for most average adults when they feel like they've stopped growing and yet for yeah. him for him that's where all not all but like the most dramatic changes of his life happened yeah um, and it's it's as, just a it's a great thing to watch and that's why i would recommend yeah. the film as someone who you know i grew up knowing who anthony bourdain was my mom loves anthony bourdain she saw him do a book uh talk at somewhere in on either long island or in new york before he was really famous um like when he had just written um kitchen confidential kitchen confidentials and um but i didn't really pay attention that much to him until parts unknown and having always experienced anthony bourdain as this like really important person in the food industry and also just culturally who everyone knows as a household name seeing that person as someone who travels and is worldly and intellectual and introspective and you know seeing him as this you know gangly nerdy autistic 43 year old or whatever before he was famous was like really uh obviously eye-opening but also inspiring because it makes you realize that uh you know shit just kind of happens in life and you know for him he rolled with it and he really lucked out you know in some ways and not in others um because it did seem like the like for so many people the hollywood thing was quite overwhelming for him yeah and i think i think it also teaches a good lesson in um perspective of that he had what many people would consider to be like 
the the best kind of job and the best lifestyle you yeah can imagine but uh-huh what does what does that really mean when you feel estranged from all your friends and your yeah family and you just aren't happy deep down and i you know to know to know that just getting to a certain level does not get you automatic happiness no i think right is a, is a sobering and very mindful takeaway which again I'm, I'm not seeing anyone talk about when they discuss this movie yeah i think um you know i i was listening to this podcast on mental health earlier this year called homecoming i think i've talked about it on this podcast but she talks about the the person who runs that show and i can't remember her name right now but the she talks about how a lot of people will say oh i'm not you know, I'm not sad. I'm thriving. I'm so busy. I, I'm busy all the time. As if to say that just because you're busy, that means that you don't have room to be sad or something. But you I don't mean, that's have what they to. legitimately think, though. That's what they people. think. Yeah, but it's not true. I mean, I mean, pr- cliche, but prime example, Kurt Cobain, very busy, very at the prime of his life and a lot going on for him really fucking unhappy yeah really not okay really really discomforted with fame and his life and what was going on uh yeah i I think that the the signs i think well when anthony bourdain committed suicide uh in 2018 I remember the morning when I learned it happened because I was in bed with my ex and I just like gasped and my ex was like, oh, Anthony Bourdain, right? And I was like, yeah, why didn't you tell me? And he was like, I wanted you to learn on your own, which was kind of nice in hindsight. But I just remember thinking, how could someone who grabbed life by the balls so firmly commit suicide be that depressed be that unhappy not see the point in living i was like that made me wonder what the fuck am i doing like is there a point the work that goes into making a show like that is so structured how do you how do you withdraw from that um i mean you see that you see that with um actors you see that with musicians you know touring musicians Uh and stuff and it's just like how do you yeah how do you you stop doing it like like okay so here's here's a great example i don't i don't mean to belabor this point but like so uh at the time of recording this just last week charlie watts of the rolling stones passed away right 80 years old this is a guy that has been doing the same job since 1963 yep and charlie watts like of all of all the musicians that go back to that era he's one that I actually do respect quite a bit um, because he, he never really indulged in that lifestyle and he was actually very quick to call it out on many times, you know, meanwhile, his own bandmates are like spinal tap embodied in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, But it's like, you know, I, I can't imagine like, for, for people like that, it's like, well, the Rolling Stones aren't just going to stop. They're going to stop when they're all fucking dead because exactly. that's all they know. They've been doing this since they were younger than we are. Like, yeah. how, how do you just say, I'm going to retire and live a quiet, nice life? Some musicians have done that. I don't but, know. That's what I, the Beatles did. They were just like, fuck touring. Well, 
No they, more touring. Yeah, and that was actually good for them. But they did and that. And that was good for them. But they, they did, did that, that at a period where choice. they could do that. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah, by choice and also not by choice. But Yeah, well, um, yeah, it was killing them. But if you've been doing something for so long and it's just like, it yeah. is you, how do you stop? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm, we're, we're both too young to have that answer. But exactly. I, think, I think age is part of it too, is, is. I mean, just just even someone in a regular um, uh, life track who is kind of reaching the end of their career and just thinking about retirement, it's like, well, what do I do now? Like, what do I do with the rest of the next 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Life is uh, so complex and there's no easy answers. Yeah. My coworker, the one who said that we talked too much about the weather, or he didn't say that, but he said we were talking about it a lot. He all I was saying at work, I was like, life's short. He was like, life's long. And I was like, yeah, that's true, actually. The moments of life are short. Yeah. Life itself is long. Um, and this movie is really a testament to that. Here's this person who at twice, nearly twice our age, nearly twice your age, uh, he created an entirely new life for himself uh, with obviously generous help from others. Um, and just think about this person, which is really inspiring. One, I will say that this movie really made me rethink uh, about that kind of, you know, encore careers and everything like that. But, um, but two, like, think about this person who for however how long was he with his first wife for like 20 something years yeah yeah it, yeah. it, it was like 20 to 25 you know it's like 27 few, it was like a really long time a really long time and then right they, i mean know, i he, think i think they mentioned that they were like high school sweethearts or something yeah I mean, and their then, entire adult lives married. you know he's a simple he's a simple man he has like He's a chef. He has this wife. They've been together forever. They they live together in like a humble apartment, and then his life explodes, and he be and he be maybe and maybe he was always this complicated person. He always talked made suicide jokes, which is clearly a sign. But um, you know, he has two more, another wife, another long term girlfriend. That he has a kid, he travels all over the world, like, and he can't settle with these women because he has to do this job, but also, like, and he wants to be with them. Clearly, love is, this, or w women's affection or whatever is this extremely important thing to him. Um, uh, and they talk about the obsessiveness of his personality in great detail, which is also really important. Um, but he, I think he is really, he seems really conflicted between like, he doesn't really want to travel anymore. He, he is someone who feels comforted by, you know, a small world. And then also like, he's so smart. He's so fucking smart. He wants to know everything and he doesn't want to settle down and he wants to keep exploring. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I, uh, I think, yeah. I I think, uh, despite the fact that so much of the, uh, the general buzz about the film 
and about him is about yeah. his suicide again. It, it's more about a celebration of life and all the good parts of it and all of the bad parts too. And yeah, making the most out of it. The man, the good and the bad and everything in between. And, and, you know, and suicide was part of that journey. Um, yeah. And it sucks. And it made a lot of people really sad. But ultimately, I do think that your life is in your own hands. I don't think, you know, I th I wish that he had gotten help. But if he was done, then he was done, too. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will attempt to get another one of these out next month and not have another two three month hiatus please like and share <laughs> uh subscribe if you feel so inclined and rate the podcast if you're listening on a platform where you can rate things uh anything else i think that's it sweet weird episode yeah Thanks for listening again, and time to eat.